Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bird Brains with Ken and Mark. I'm ex-Philadelphia Eagles, Philadelphia Stars, Ken Dunnick, and as you may have read on our social media posts, uh, my partner, Mark Eckel, is going through a health challenge right now. As a matter of fact, I just heard from his wife, Tammy. He is out of surgery. He had bypass, and uh, all things considered, uh, he's in recovery, and things are looking good. So many of you reached out to me and, and were asking about Mark. That is the latest information that I have, and of course, uh, I know you will keep him uh, in your thoughts and prayers and looking forward to a complete recovery. So filling in for Mark, you know, I, I went for the home run right off the bat, and, uh, he, and he came through for me. I am uh, on the line with uh, Ray Dinger, and Ray really needs no introduction. Ray, how are you? I'm great, Ken. How are you doing? Hey, Ray, you know, I did a little bit of research, and you've been known to do some research in your past, and I I, I looked up uh, the amount of awards that you have won, and you are truly uh, in the Babe Ruth category of awards. I mean, you're a humble guy, and I'm not going to go into uh, any of this, but it's a page-long list. And uh, uh, quite a tribute to a guy who uh, spent his life uh, loving what he did and covering the Philadelphia Eagles. So I can't thank you enough for joining us on this podcast this morning. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Happy to always always fun to visit with you, and uh, uh, I'm happy to uh, I'm happy to pinch hit for my good buddy Mark. I hope he's back on his feet and back on the air with you very shortly. Yeah, I'll pass that along, and I'm sure he'll appreciate it. So did see you a couple times this year. Uh, you and I bumped into each other at the Dick Vermeil Hall of Fame uh, ceremony in Canton, and, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, why don't we chat about that for a second and uh, give us your thoughts about uh, the coach getting into the hall. Uh, I'm delighted. I'm really, really thrilled for him. Um, he is. He so deserves it. Um, he's a Hall of Fame coach, and he's a Hall of Fame person. I mean, you know that as well as anybody. I sure uh, do. And he's a, he's a really he's a very rare individual, uh, and I, I, he's a very rare coach. Certainly, if you look at his record, that'll that'll tell you that. But any if you ever met him, if you ever certainly in Ken's position, if you ever played for him, uh, or if you're just around him, like I was covering him throughout his career here in Philadelphia, uh, he's just a very special guy. Yeah. Uh, and I I felt all along that uh, that he was worthy of the Hall of Fame. Uh, and I hoped it would happen for him. Uh, but I, I worried a little bit that people were going to look at the career one-loss record, which is you know, just not that many games over 500. People are going to look at that and say, well, that's pretty ordinary. Uh, and I, I was hoping that people would look a little deeper than that. And you know, when I, they asked me if I could write a, a letter of support for Dick when they were trying to mount the candidacy for him this, uh, last year, and what I wrote in, in the letter was, I think you have to really look at what he inherited with each of the teams uh, and see what he built. Um, you know, you look at what the Eagles were when he came in and took them over in 76. Uh, you know, a team that hadn't won in more than a decade. Uh, and worse than that, had traded, away, had traded away all their draft picks for like the next four years. Uh, I, don't know that, I don't know that I've ever known a coach took over a tougher situation. And yet in three years he had him in the playoffs, and five years he had him in the Super Bowl. And then he walks away from the game, he's out of the game for 14 years, and then comes back and takes over a team that's in equally bad shape, the Rams. 
and and three years he, he in three years he wins them a Super Bowl, yeah. uh, and then goes away, and then comes back in Kansas City and, and builds another playoff team. So, you know, I don't know how many times somebody has to prove that they're a great coach, but Dick did it three times. Dick did it three times over. So there's no question that he belonged in Canton, and uh, you were there for the ceremony. I was there for the ceremony, and I think the the, the greatest tribute was how many of his former players came back. Oh yeah, I mean, was... you know, we we all we all went to that party out of Brookside Country Club, but after you know the after mm-hmm. party after the enshrinement, and I mean that that building was full of guys who played for Dick, going all the way back to Hillsdale High School. Exactly right, <laughs> high school players, college players, pro players. It was. You know, uh, listen, uh, you and I and Paul Domowicz and a lot of people uh, that have connections with the NFL, we fought for that because, you know, Coach, I believe, is 86 years old, and he's right. still so vibrant. But it was so great to get him in there where he can still appreciate it and enjoy it. And I'm going to share a Dick Vermeil story with you that, uh, and to tell you about the guy, his character, his loyalty. Ray, you know, I, I was a basketball player at Memphis State. I did not play high school football. and uh, when I, I switched over to football in Memphis because they thought I, they had uh, potential at tight end. And, you know, I, I chose the Eagles as a free agent coming out because I wanted to, to, to challenge myself. I wanted to go with the best team and, and play for the best coach, and I, I thought that would be Dick Vermeil. And as things turned out, uh, you know, I, I made the team off and on injured reserve in 1980, and the team goes to the Super Bowl. But, you know, we'll fast forward uh, several years. I'm in my office uh, I was selling, I believe, insurance at the time. And I get a call, and this is before the days of cell phones, which, by the way, you still don't have, which I find amazing. But um, uh, we, and my, and my office phone rings, and I pick it up, and a guy in the uh, other line says, Kenny, this is Jim Gallagher of the Eagles. I said, hey, Jim, how you doing? He goes, hey, listen, Dick Vermeil wants you to be at his Hall of F- Eagles Hall of Fame ceremony. I th- believe this was in the early 90s when he got in. And I said, uh, well, it's really, it's, it's stunning. I mean, I was only there one year. I said, who else is going to be there? He goes, Ron Jaworski, Bill Berkey, Her- uh, Harold Carmichael, Wilbur Montgomery, and you. And I hung up the phone. I thought it was a prank call. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> and he calls back. He said, what would you hang up on me for? I said, Jim, you can't be serious. He goes, hey, listen, he wants you there. You got to come? I said, well, of course I'm going to be there. But, you know, to that point, I was the guy that stayed in the area, stayed in touch with him. And, you know, it was special to be a part of that team. I didn't belong to be at that event with those great players. But the fact that he considers me one of his guys, once you're on his team, Ray, and you know this, mm-hmm. once you're one of his guys, that goes on forever. And we've maintained a great relationship all those years. So for, Forever. Uh, you're, forever. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, we, we mentioned Hillsdale High School, which was where it all started for him. Uh, coaching, he still calls. He still calls those guys. You know, I mean, I I I, I ran. I uh, riding the bus out to the ceremony. I rode the bus out to the ceremony, and the guy I sat next to was the captain of the Hillsdale team uh, when he coached them uh, way back when. Uh, and when we had this wonderful conversation about what it was like, what Dick was like back then, and the guy said, uh, and I forget what he is. He's in a business of some kind. He's long retired now. I mean, my God, and. Uh, and he said that at least a couple times a year, he would be sitting at his desk, uh, and the phone would ring, and he would pick it up, and um, and the voice on the other end would say, "Is this number 60?" And 
And he said, the guy, I would recognize the voice right away, and he said, I would sit up straighter in my chair, and I'd say, it's me, coach. And, and Dick would say, hey, listen, you know, uh, Bill, I'm just calling to see how, how are you, how's the family, how's everything going. I mean, who, you know, who does that kind of stuff in today's world? It, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. I'm having a little trouble. I think you're breaking up a little bit there, Ken. Okay. That be better? Uh, that's better. I think I hear you now better. Okay, good. Sometimes the uh, Wi-Fi goes in and out here. So the previous week, Ray, the Eagles uh, really uh, took apart uh, a fairly good Tennessee team and certainly shut down the run, which I was really impressed with. And normally, in the pros, when you're coming off of Oh, you're right. I mean, it was, the, the game was over at twenty-one nothing. I mean, after the you know after the muff punt and uh, and then the the quick strike touchdown to Brown, it's twenty-one nothing. The game's over. I mean, the last three quarters were really just for the stats. I mean, the, the, the competitive the competitive part of the game was over at twenty-one nothing. And you're right. I mean, if you look at the last you look at the last three you look at the last three games. I mean, they score forty on Green Bay. They score thirty-five on Tennessee, and they score forty-eight on the Giants yesterday, and make it look. You hate to say it looks easy. You hate to say that anything in the NFL looks easy. It did look but the, easy. But, yeah, but the way their offense is working right now, it does. Uh, and it's uh, you know, and the defense is coming around. Uh, the, the pass rush yesterday was was terrific. Uh, and uh, but offensively, they are just they they really look like they can pretty much do whatever they want to do offensively. And this is without even Dallas Goddard. This is without even one of their big weapons at tight end. So right. um, they're you know Ken they're I mean you don't want to overstate it, but and I've I've tried to be I, I've tried to be not overreacting, getting too excited about it like I think most Phillies are Philly fans are. But I mean and for the longest time I said well I, I think they're the best team in the NFC, but I kind of held off and said I still think that Buffalo and Kansas City may be better. Uh, yeah. Right now, right now, I'm not there. Right now, no. I've seen Kansas City now, and I've seen Buffalo now, and I've certainly seen the Eagles. And right now, I would say, at this moment, I think the Eagles are the best team in the league. I agree. I think they're the most complete team. As a matter of fact, this may be the best Eagles team that I can remember. And, again, I don't want to put the cart before the horse. And you are a guy. You and I are going to play a little game at the end uh, in our part two of, uh, of this podcast segment and, and talk about the history of the Eagles. But, Ray, I, I've never seen a team that is this deep uh, and has so many components that can beat you. I mean, often, I was at the Tennessee game, and uh, number one, the fact that uh, their bugaboo prior to that game had been stopping the run. Well, they loaded up the box, and Tennessee had no answers, and they held Derrick Henry to 30 yards, which is an amazing achievement. And they just torched them on offense. I mean, they spread the field. They've got so many weapons. You know, yesterday, Miles Sanders um, rushes for uh, 144 yards on 17 carries, two touchdowns. His pass protection has improved to the point where, you know, you don't have to put Gainwell in there anymore. He he can stop a, a blitzing linebacker. Right. Uh, Jalen Hurts, who's having an MVP-type season, 21-21, touchdowns. I mean – and the thing about Jalen that I love is I'm, I'm sure you watched the game and I'm sure you saw the sideline shot after the uh, A.J. Brown touchdown where they were kind of playing with each other on, on the side right. and Jalen Hurts was stoic. 
Yep. It was like it was totally focused, which is like this game isn't over. My job isn't done. I'll enjoy it at the end. And that's one of the things that you got to love about the guy. Yeah, uh, I, I was struck by the same shot, uh, the, the, that same bench shot, because all the receivers were laughing and cutting up and having a good time, which receivers like to do. Uh, but you'd like to see your, but you'd like to see that your quarterback's head's still in the game, you know, and and this guy, and this guy's head is totally in the game, and you know it's it's been true really uh, from his very first year in Philadelphia, the very first time you talked to him, um, he's he's a coach's son, you know, I mean, and we all know those guys, I mean, the, the, the guys whose fathers were their, whose fathers coached them in high school, coached them in little league, coached them from the time they were born, and you know, football becomes their life, you know, they understand that. You know, the, the, the game is—it isn't something you just think about when you walk on the practice field. It's something you think about all the time. And so, all those hours he sat at the kitchen table with his father, watching him watch film and watching him put a game plan together. I mean, he's been doing that since he was eight years old. So um, he understands what goes into the game, what goes into winning the game. You don't just start thinking about the game when you kick it off on Sunday. You think about the game all the time. And uh, and he's had that throughout his career that's one of the things that's made him a tremendously effective player but even more than that a tremendously effective and reading the defenses is really unlike almost anything I've ever seen. Yeah, I think so too. I uh, and you really kind of saw it in training camp. Uh, if when you're out there watching practice, I mean, uh, his growth as a a guy, his ability to see the field, his ability to make accurate throws. I mean, there's so much, so many questions about does he have the arm strength and. You know, Ken, you know as well as I do that it, it, arm strength really isn't the definition of a quarterback. I mean, no, the, be, hey, the best arm I ever saw in my life was Jeff George. How did he make out? It, it, <laughs> you know, he, there's much more than that, right? There's yeah, no, he's, and, 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 and he is he is exhibit A for what the for that point. I mean, everybody says that nobody nobody threw the ball better than Jeff George, and yet what did he ever win? Uh, it's about it's about understanding the game. It's about finding the right receiver, and it's about delivering the ball accurately and on time. Uh, and he and he can do all that. And by the way, he's showing you that he can throw the deep ball pretty pretty darn well. I mean, he's thrown exactly. some deep balls this year as good as anybody. Exactly. Hey, hang on, everybody, for part two. We'll be right back.